It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday march 1st and you're listening to episode 457 as always i'm your host jason today joined by another jason who surprisingly is not jason katarski the usual suspect of jason's instead i have oh gosh longtime friend but hasn't been here forever jason tagmeyer owner of button shy games game designer extraordinaire How's it going? It's good. I'm I'm glad to be uh, in the presence of one of the other two Jasons. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I think the last time I saw you was maybe briefly at a con in 2019. Like I, I saw you in passing. Pro- yeah. Um, I haven't been to Gen Con in probably like two years or okay. well, I guess nobody was there last year, but um, <laughs> yeah, me either. <laughs> I, I missed a year and then uh yeah, it's been a long time. It definitely has been yeah, a while. Yeah, I was trying to think. I don't know if you were at Origins, if I saw you there or not. I can't remember, but I remember seeing you in passing somewhere, and you were in a hurry. You were like, I got to go to this place, and like, and that was it. And then you probably were gone. food. <laughs> it probably was. I have a break. I have to eat. Yeah, I go to these conventions and have nothing else to do, so just eat. Like, I have to take, I have to get more food. Are you in a hurry? No, I just really just want to eat some more food. <laughs> just sorry. I'm not, not seeing anybody. I'm just here for the food. Right, 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 right. Hey, Origins. That is one of the reasons I go to Origins. Oh, that's a food con. That is a absolute food con. I, uh, I super missed, um, being able to go to the Polish place. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, this year. And there's a nice coffee shop in there. Of course. So Jenny's ice cream did not miss Jenny's ice cream. Cause I had it shipped to my house. Really? Uh, Highly recommend that. Uh, as a bonus, you can show your kids how dry ice works because they pack it in dry ice. I adore Jenny's and I've gone to Nashville. I mean, that's just all I do is go for food anyway. Just dry, <laughs> fly to Nashville to eat um, and then spend a day or two there. And I've done it five times in the last four years. And they, oh have, they have a couple Jenny's down there. So I've gotten my Jenny's fix outside of uh, Origins. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I've always uh, been a big fan of Jenny's as well. And, uh, yeah, but you can get it shipped to you relative. I mean, it's like 70 or 80 bucks, but you get like, I think like six pints or something like that, which I know is sounds like like a ripoff, but it's Jenny's. Yeah. It's 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 like worth every penny. It's only like a quarter more than (laughs) than they would charge there. But like, and it lasts a while because I mean, it's just so dense and so rich that you can't eat a lot of it in one sitting so good i mean and then like i don't think gen con is like a good food con like you know origins is great gen con i my worst food at gen con one day was we ate white castle twice in one day it was like you know it was nearby somebody wanted to have it for the first time and then Uh somebody else wanted to have it for dinner and it was just it was the worst it was the worst day ever oh my gosh (laughs) yeah um gen con is yeah there's there's not a lot I look forward to food-wise at Gen Con. It's just There's hard to eat anything. Like, like it's just busy yeah. and Well, and you like if you want to if you want to eat somewhere like decent like and not be super crowded, you got to walk. Like it's a hike. Yep. There's um there's an Indian restaurant, I don't remember the name of it. Um that's like a mile or so away. That's a really good one. Oh, that's um, cool. There's a uh, the food trucks have been nice too. I like yeah. the food trucks. There's the one coffee shop next door that Josh Mills and I have went to a couple times. I love that one. I just feel like yeah. I settle for whatever there. It's like, oh, this short yeah. line, let's get it and yeah, deal. Yeah, I, I concur. Yeah, the origins, I'll always go seek out something really good because there's a lot of options and you usually can. Though, I, dirty the last Franks. Couple times, have you been Dirty Franks? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the last couple times, though, obviously with Pride going on, depending on oh, yeah. the day, like it can be crazy busy. Um. Because, like, I think it's maybe Saturday, which is, like, the biggest day for Origins and then the biggest day for Pride. So yeah. It's, like, so many people. <laughs> but you get to watch the parade, which is always great. That's always so. fun. Yeah. And it's nice. You can watch from the convention center. It's nice and cool. You can, like, watch from above <laughs> and, like, really see it. It's a good view. I don't like the heat. So, yeah. I know. Um, so, hey. Uh, yeah, yeah. I am excited to have you here. So, I uh i um recently uh a while back actually a little, little couple months ago probably uh was doing some research on patreon uh not for the show but for some other stuff 
and um i uh i bumped into your patreon page so i was like who are some people i know who have patreon so i'm looking through and i was like oh yeah tag where i used to have one so i look up button shy and then i was surprised um that you have a lot like a lot a lot of people who follow your patreon <laughs> um <laughs> So I don't. Uh, I actually realized that I should have been a good host and pulled it up ahead of time, but I didn't. Um, so I'm pulling it up right now. I have um, pulled up because I, I just posted an update today. Oh, did you? All right. Uh, so you currently have 1,032 patrons. Yeah, that's um, we were that 1,000 mark was it was a tough one to hit. It was you know we were under it for a while and it's incredible. It's that's a huge milestone. That is, that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so this is, I mean, like, in, in right now, uh, I would ask if you're okay with me saying this, but I'm going to because it's public. Like, it that's almost $13,000 a month coming through Patreon. You know, you um, can hide that. <laughs> I think you can well, hide that on Patreon. But I, well, no, you, I mean, you did not. There's no reason to hide it. Uh, yeah, it's, right, right. it's 13, 12, 9, 945 coming in, which is just, uh, right. It's, it's wild. Well, when I, I mean, I don't know why you'd hide it because like when I see that, like I automatically like, oh, what is he doing correctly? I assume like, other industries might hide it because we're so used to Kickstarter and numbers being right up front. Yeah. I yeah, think other industries yeah. might be a little more because a lot of Patreon is people using it for like their monthly income. And a lot of it is like. Right. That's true. And we can get into it, whatever. But a lot of people perform, you know, a service as opposed to what we do, which is giving out a product. So like, you know, if it was like a podcast right, or right. something, you're performing a service for them and they're paying you and it's sort of paying the bills for that. For this, it's for us, it's paying for the things to get made and shipped, uh, which is a little bit differently. Right. Right, right. Yeah, no, that and that's a good point. Um, and that was one of the things I was doing research for. Like I'm I'm planning to use Patreon for some of my coaching business and some stuff I'm doing with games in coaching, trying to figure out some a way to make that sort of thing more affordable to like your average person who wants to like buy it to use with their team at, at their job or right. like with their friends, you know, or, or a group of people, whatever. Um, it can be really not affordable. And I was like, Oh, Patreon might be a really cool way to do this. And, um, and I would use it to use to get services and products, right? Like, you know, because I, I've got some games I'm putting out that are, are fun kind of games that can be used for that sort of thing. And so I'm, I'm interested. I, I see that you like, you've done lots of different levels, like trying to give people a lot of options. Did you start that way or did you slowly like build out more and more levels as you went along? Cause you have like, looks like nine levels, uh, except for the, uh, the dollar level was gone. Now it looks like. Uh, okay. So our, our whole model, it, it went hand in hand with our, with our business model. And that's kind of, um, where this all started was we decided we were going to make these little wallet games. And the whole idea was like super punk rock. There's going to be these little tiny games that fit in your pocket. They have, you know, don't have covers. They have, you know, just a solid ink screen print on the, on the front of the wallet. So everything was this like whole punk rock idea. And it all kind of went hand in hand with like zines and, and subscriptions and things like that, where you're, you're, you know, you're, you're part of a band's fan club or, th or anything like that. So I saw Patreon was kicking around probably around 2014, 15, whenever, 16, maybe. Uh, and it was like the alternative to Kickstarter in that it was good for uh, recurring projects. And I was like, these games are going to come out every single month. We're going to kickstart them, but Patreon's awesome because people can just get all of them. You know, you don't have to kickstart them. You can just subscribe and you'll get every game uh, in your in your mail. And because they're small, they fit in these little envelopes. And we started making all these extra things like these little postcard games to give the envelopes some rigidness and hold everything together. But it was really that the product itself having, a, you know, repeating every month and Patreon being this monthly subscription, it all fell hand in hand as other like box services were coming out where you can get whatever of the month and you can get, you know, uh, Loot Crate and all those other things were coming out where you're getting things in the mail every month. We just happened to hit at that same time, you know, 
everything kind of merged very nicely, but I think it worked really well for us uh, as a, as a concept, just because our games were going to be coming out monthly anyway, happened to be small, happened to be affordable that people could get all of them. And we didn't know if anybody would want all of them, but uh, it was worth a shot to see. Yeah. And it feels like people indeed did, did want all of them. It turns out. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, it took a while. Our first month, I feel like we had like 50 subscribers, which was huge. And it, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a lot right off the bat. Yeah, we had like 50 people and it was across different, we have different levels. Like, you know, you can get in for print and play for a couple, then it was like a dollar or you can get in up to 20, 20 bucks. And we had 50 people and some of them still are subscribed today, which is just, it's, it's incredible to see that they've been there since this is December, 2015. Mm -hmm. I think we launched it. So it went live like January 1st was the first payment 2016. So we're like five years into this and there's some people who've been there since the very beginning. But uh, yeah, it, it was just, it was a, it was a great merging of, of everything at once. And uh, we were, we were there at the right time, I guess. And so I'm, I'm interested. I, I see that you like, you've done lots of different levels, like trying to give people a lot of options did you start that way or did you slowly like build out more and more levels as you went along? Cause you have like, looks like nine levels, uh, except for the, uh, the dollar level was gone. Now it looks like the dollar level is gone because it was silly. It was, it was, you can get print and play games for a dollar, but what happened was like, you could jump on for a buck and get like, if you go, uh-huh. Patreon's weird. It's a weird service. And just for anyone using it and for you, for you just, me to you there's some weird stuff in there like the way stuff gets unlocked like you could subscribe today and then you get all this stuff unlocked before you've even paid any money or whatever um and you could download all the free stuff that's in the archives <laughs> and then split so like it was like a weird thing where that one dollar if we make it three dollars you know it's right, a little right, more right. worthwhile uh but it was just it was so undervalued because our print and plays are are three dollars anyway and you were getting a whole bunch for for a buck. So, uh, but the the different right. levels and your your games are incredibly easy to print and play. So, right? I mean, because they're, I mean, eighteen cards <laughs> that went. Yeah. So that's another merging of great. It's it, eighteen cards could yep. be two pages, you know, at minimum if they don't have you know if they have a common back or whatever. But the different levels, there's really only a couple. It's like. but then we had to add all these other ones for international shipping because international shipping's a fortune. So like there's got to be the Canada one, the the full international one. Uh, So it it looks a little more complex than it really is. It's just the, and I got that from going way back early days of Kickstarter was you have your like base game for, you know, let's say it's like 30 bucks. But then you throw in like the the little expansion to make it forty, and then you throw in the second expansion. And now it's fifty, and everybody backs for yep. the fifty dollar yep. level. Like nobody's going to go for that thirty when they could do the forty or the fifty. And if they're s- close enough, you know that it doesn't feel extreme. Like you're you're it's automatic going up to that fifty. So we looked at that with the the one five ten twenty, where none of them felt terrible. Like twenty dollars a month is a lot for for a lot of people, but it's not extremely different than right, five right. or 10. And it just, you know, I mean, if somebody's looking to support you, right. I mean, it's, I mean, there's an easy way to like, Oh, I like his stuff and I like him. So I'll go in at the $20 level rather than the $5 level. Yeah. And I think uh, for us, a lot of it for over the years, especially as we were just putting out so many little tiny games and, you know, some people would be like, Oh, I have all these games. I've never even played any of them. It really did show that it was, it was very much mm-hmm. like a service support, like a, like if we performed a service, but they're still getting all this stuff. So there were a lot of people in there that that just were doing it just to, you know, just to support what we were doing and 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 be be a part yeah, of. Yeah, no, and that I mean that makes sense. Again, you were you were there in the early days of Kickstarter as well, really like doing your punk rock thing, and like that was, you know, that was nobody was doing things something like that, you know, and. And then it turns out that people really, really wanted it. 
So, you know, you ended up with so many of these wallet games. You know, I remember seeing the first few and thinking like, this is really interesting. I wonder, like, like I wonder how long this will last. And like, it turned out that wallet games are evergreen. Like, people really like wallet games. Yeah. And like, it's funny because it's 18 cards only. We've done a couple of components here or there, like provide your own coins or something. But there's been some people who are like, how many more games do you think you could do that without using up all the design space in 18 cards? And then we'll have a a design challenge and get 250 submissions <laughs> it's like i guess this is not right, ending right. anytime soon there's still a lot of design out there i uh i have to thank you by the way one of the games i'm i'm pitching around right now and in, in looking to or looking to publish myself all started because of your awful 18 card all the same card challenge so so thank you for that yeah yeah i started working on it and was like i can't do this like I just didn't have like the brain power to figure it out, but I was like, someone can. And then, so I found a co-designer and then we figured it out. <laughs> we, and now it has way more than 18 cards, but yeah. That's great. I learned a lot from that as well. Cause that was our, like, you can't design a game that's 18 identical cards. Like it's just not possible. It turns out you can, and we've published three or four of them already. And it's like, it's it's so restrictive that it brought out i mean we've never had that many submissions to a contest so it's that intense intense restriction had people being like i can beat this like i can do this and there were first time designers coming out for it you know long time designers it was i learned a lot in in like when you have like an open theme for for a contest it's like oh design an 18 card game about anything we get like a third of the amount of submissions as we do like design an 18 card where you know one of the cards is to sit on your head for the entire time. <laughs> Just if you get super yeah. ridiculous with it, people think that they can beat it and, and really get well, charged you know, up, I which mean, is great. When you think about it, right? Like one of the things that we talk about on the show a lot with games is, and one of the things like kind of my mantras for designing is to make, to make the the players feel clever. Right. And that's the exact same thing you're doing. You're, you're, you've basically made oh, yeah. this contest, which is like a game in of itself. And you're making people feel clever by saying, break this, break this system. And because we all think differently, like you get a lot of really unique ideas, right? Yeah, it's there's I'm still looking through that list of of games to publish because I mean, the whole thing came about because if you publish a game that's identical cards, you can print you know, add one card onto a print run and for every 18 copies of the print run, you're going to have an extra copy of this game. So like we could have a car, uh, the way we do our print runs, there's always extra cards. So like we could throw on five new, you know, identical card games every time we do a print run and have like these small prints of them. It just was, it was such a cool concept uh, from a production side and, and a design challenge side that, I, I I'm curious about where it goes from here. Right. And see that's, so that's one of the things that I love about the way that you work with button shine, just as a designer is that you thought, well, we have this spare card. Let's just figure out how to turn it into a whole, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like that's not a lot of publishers yeah. are jumping on that spare card. They're like, I'll just put an advertisement on it or I'll just make a piece of artwork on it. You know what I mean? And you're like, no, oh, yeah. no, 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 I'm going to print more games. <laughs> I'm going to print a new game. I'm constantly trying to figure out what to do with that extra card. And it it really came down to math. It was just like, okay, if we have a game, like our game in Vino Morte is, is wine or poison. So it's really two cards in the game, but they're just repeated nine, eight or nine times each. And then we have other games where there's a card that's in there eight times. And then like two other cards that are in there a couple of times. So I'll like really get down to these print runs and look at which what's left over and can we reprint this game that has enough repetition nice. in there or can we print half the game? And as long as, you know, it doesn't have common backs, we can print the other half on the next <laughs> time we come around. So I'm always looking at that stuff. And this is great because you get the entire game in a, in a single car. I love it. So I'm reprinting like in Vino Morte with, on every print run that has two cards and I'm reprinting, you know, any of these interceptor, the, the, the one that won the contest for identical, Every time we have one card on a print run, I'm just putting it on there. And if we have five cards on a print run, I'll put it on there and we're right, just getting right. more copies oh, out of it. That's great. So um, 
so yeah, so we diverged a little from Patreon because I was just geeking out about all that stuff. But um, so um, sure. Uh, so yeah, so what like when it? Tell me about you know like when you've got like, you know, uh, for instance, you've got the levels that are like postcards and more. Like what what are you doing with that? All right, so yeah, um. Everything has the, so the way it works is the first level is print and play games only. And that one's different than everything else because you're not getting anything in the mail. So skipping that, you know, you get a bunch of stuff that's PMP, all of our wild games and stuff. But then we start with the physical ones. And the first one is postcards. We ship in these postcard size envelopes and we need to have the postcard in there to to keep everything stiff. Otherwise, if we just sent out some cards and all, the whole thing's going to flop around. So we've always had since day one, a thick, like super thick, like 32 point thick uh, postcard of, of a game. And sometimes it was a postcard game on its own, like we used to do in the first couple of years we did this. And then over the years, we started making those postcards like boards for ongoing games, um, just because a new game every month was yeah. a lot to take in and people yep. weren't getting to the table. But when we make it part of a bigger experience... Not only is it less to get to the table, but it's something they're more invested in because yep. they've seen it a couple of times and it's it's more of a game than than something new and new rules and all that kind of stuff. So everything is the mm-hmm. postcard. And that's the kind of the heart of it that just keeps it all, you know, solid and gets it to them in the mail. If it didn't have that postcard, these things would come super damaged. So the first level is like postcards and then a couple extra cards. So we try to do like little promo cards little like uh we do sometimes we'll do a game that comes out over the course of like 12 months so every month you get like a card or two but there's rules for that where like everything has to be playable like you can't get a game that you can't play until you get 12 months in. it has to be playable from day one and then any month you jump in it has to be playable so we you know we do weird stuff with that and that's all in that like five dollar level where you're getting a couple of those so when it goes to ten everything is built upon what exists. So every everybody gets that $5 level plus something new. So at $10, we just have a slot for up to nine cards. And it's kind of all that fits in this envelope without like pushing it to the next right, right. mail tier. So that's another concern is keeping the thickness of the envelope. So we have a room for nine more cards that we've done a whole bunch of different things. Sometimes it's nine card games. So I'll look out for... Little tiny games that are nine cards. We'll sign them. We'll get some cool art and we'll do that. Sometimes it's like expansions for our existing games. And more often than not recently, it has been expansions because our lineup's grown so much that uh, there's just so much opportunity for expansion. So, you know, we'll do an expansion or even two expansions if they're small enough for our, for our 18 card games. Um, And, uh, yeah, so that's that's the ten dollar level. So it's just it's it's a nine card slot, up to nine cards. Sometimes it's three and five, whatever it is, it caps off at nine cards, and you're getting this extra stuff. And the cool thing about the expansions is we print expansions that we wouldn't normally be able to print because a game went to Kickstarter, we did an expansion with it for the Kickstarter, and then usually like you don't do anything again until you like kickstart right, it again right. for some reason, like a big expansion or whatever. But we have the opportunity with the club to do little tiny expansions ongoing over and over and over because the club right. funds it. So we don't have to, pay, you know, we don't have to bring up the funding on our own. These customers that are supporting the games are directly, you know, responsible for getting more content for some of these games. So some games have gotten like four or five expansions out of it just because we can do this every month and we have the flexibility to spend their money on whatever you know cool content we can uh and you know i think we've gone overboard with expansions and gotten less of those cool unique one-off games so we're kind of shifting back to just playing with those numbers constantly you know you know too many one-off games they didn't play them and then too many expansions and then you you kind of get stuff that for a game that you might not like or something like that so we're constantly balancing that and we're in the current shift towards a few more unique games per year than what we've had. And then you get to the $20 level and it's the same thing. 
the postcard and all that stuff, the expansions or little nine card games. And then you also get one of our wallet games. And the wallet games are one a month, every month. And uh, it kind of drives everything. And you, they usually retail for 12 bucks. And sometimes they have expansions that are a couple bucks, but you, you get those with it. So it's like a super deal at that $20 level because you're getting the wallet game and all this extra stuff. Uh, and you're kind of going all in. There's there's nothing that will release that you'll miss. So it's it, And the other thing about all of these is you also... We've done it. I mean, there, it's all break even. There's just there's no possibility for profit with the amount of stuff we shove in there, because we also give like web discounts right, yep. to everybody. So, you know, if you buy games off our site, you're getting them for cheaper. If you buy games on Kickstarter at any of these levels, you're getting them for cheaper. So, we've just like loaded everything with. We're going to give away and pack these envelopes as much as we can, uh, just because we can. Because this isn't our income, this isn't, you know, the service kind of Patreon where we need this money to, to, to work. This is our like way to make cool stuff, get it out there and hopefully make some money on the other stuff in in different ways. It's funny, the postcards. I remember when you first started the postcards because the first year you did the movie series of postcards. Um, and I was lucky enough to design one of those. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was cult films. Yeah. Um, that was so much fun. It was, you know, we picked a theme for the year and every month was a different designer and a different artist. Uh, and that year was cult films. So, uh, you did uh big Lebowski, I, big Lebowski. Yes. I actually, I'm looking at the, the postcard in my like shelf of published games. I have that on the side <laughs> over here. So I love the artwork on it. It's so good. And that's the thing that we've kind of gotten away from because, working with a new designer every month, working with a new artist every month, trying to hit those deadlines, not being, you know, ahead of it at all. Like we were never, you know, two months, three months ahead. It was always like, we need this done (laughs) for yesterday's mail. Uh, It was so difficult and it took years of, of, of that struggling to realize, Oh, maybe we need to, you know, make these a longer, a longer thing, a longer experience across a couple months, but they're so much fun. And looking back at them, it's just, I'm very nostalgic about that time because it's so passionate and so ambitious uh, that, you know, it's cool. And it makes sense that, that some people kind of latched onto it. So, you know, when it comes to how you grew from 50 in your first month to over a thousand now, um, you know, what really, like, obviously you have some good options, right? You've got some good choices out here. You've consistently added stuff. Um, what really do you credit though towards like specifically, did you do things attempting to get more, uh, patrons? Yeah, I think a lot of it came down to, we have like a, a pretty good system between Patreon, Kickstarter, and our website. Those are the three places that we sell stuff. We don't normally Mm -hmm. sell in stores other than the ones that we sell directly to. The bulk of it's all online, Patreon, website, and Kickstarter. So every Kickstarter, we have the Patreon like uh, backer level. So for a dollar, you'd back. And because you're in the club, you have a secret you know, amount that you're going to really pledge. You're going to change that dollar to eight or whatever it is based on your level, you get your discount. So we've got a lot of people that'll back at that level, which is great for Kickstarter because you've got your direct customers that are backing on day one, which always boosts your campaign and gets it going nicely. Um, But it's the first level. So everybody that comes to Kickstarter sees that. And every Kickstarter says for more information, scroll to the bottom. And then at the very bottom, we describe what the club is what you get, what what's being featured currently, and put a link to it. So if we do Kickstarters, you know, one year we did one every single month for the year. In other years, we've done four to six to eight per year. But every single time we do that, it's, it's kind of refreshing the link in front of all right. these people's eyes. And I feel like it's better than any kind of advertisement because it's direct to the people who are already buying your games, just telling them a potentially better, cheaper, easier right. way to buy the games. 
uh, and get more, which everybody on Kickstarter already wants more. Like that's right. yeah, I mean that's why you're on Kickstarter. <laughs> everybody right? wants more because so you want more, and that's that, why you'll buy the fifty dollar level instead of the thirty dollar level because you want yeah. the extra stuff. <laughs> exactly. So this is the way to get even more stuff, and you know some games we're going to expand them down the line even more. So check out this this you know club, but the constant repetition of that, I think. I, I credit constant repetition for all of my success, you know, in anything that we've done for Button Shy. It's, it's that we've been constantly putting stuff out, not breaking our, you know, monthly goals. Even though things have been late and things like that, we've still had our games out accounted for every month and things like that. But it's just, you can't, you can't miss it. And if you miss it once, you'll catch it the next time around. So every time I do a Kickstarter, we pop that link to the club. And, it's been a natural growth because we're never like really pushing anything. We're just kind of putting it there and saying, this is, this is a thing. And this is, here's the details. So it's been a slow build to that thousand patrons, you know, over the course of five years, but it's been a manageable, you know, super great build. Um, But I credit a lot of it to just that, that, Kickstarter repetition. We don't even share it anywhere else. There's not even a link on our website <laughs> or anything like that. So Kickstarter is kind of the way to, right, to find right. out about it. Um, it. Yeah, I mean, and and then I guess some people discover it on Patreon like you did because there's, uh, you know, you dig around for board games and kind of see what's right. out there. I I dig around for board games because I'm like, I want to be in a club like this. Right, but right. <laughs> I run the club, so I don't get to have so, all the fun. Something that makes me feel really good about kind of what I was thinking was, you know, my thought was to do a lot of little Kickstarters for every game that I've got, like that, that you can use, and then use that to try and funnel people towards Patreon. So it's great to hear you say that that does help um, because I thought, you know, what a good way to get a little bit of attention for the game, um, get a little upfront you know, money out of the game and then have the game, you know, available for uh, print or for, uh, you know, actual physical. Um, So one of the things I'm curious about, because of the amount of cards you're printing all the time, constantly, I'm assuming there's no way you can go overseas for that. Is that correct? We order from China and America. We do. Oh, okay. We get, there's, there's a couple printers we use and, and whichever one is best for the job, the fastest for it, but we'll get stuff from China, but we'll get it air shipped here. So, you know, forget that three uh, months on a boat, it's, you know, $700 to get it here in three days. Um, but it's, you know, it's a third of a pallet. So it's not like, it's not like, right. Sh- you're dealing with obviously very small games. A third of a pallet is uh 5,000 games for us. You know? Wow. Yeah. So, so yeah, so we'll do, we'll do both just because we have that advantage to do the air shipping and, and get things here quick. But yeah, we have to have stuff coming in all the time to, to, to get these out monthly. Oh, I, I imagine. I mean, just constantly. Um, so, so yeah. So what, what is the decision point in what you're printing um, in China versus what you're printing here? Um, usually it's volume. It's if I want something, if, we're going to do something huge. We'll get it printed here. They're, they're a little slower to print, um, f- faster to ship, obviously, and cheaper to ship, obviously. Um, but if I'm getting like 5,000 of a game or something, I'll get it done here. But if I'm getting a smaller quantity, like a thousand, it's, it's hard to get that done here for, for any kind of affordable price. So, okay. So yeah. I literally thought you were going to say the opposite of that. Um, so, so now I'm really intrigued. So, um, and that's just me not knowing enough about it. So, so you, um, and none of your games have boxes, which I know is a, is a ridiculously huge advantage because boxes are like the worst thing about Yeah. It's the most expensive part in in short run. Like if you're doing, you know, a 5,000 print or whatever, the box is is not even a factor but when you're trying to do 500 of something and get a box made it's just you have to look outside of it which is what we did with the wallets yeah yeah. and i think the only reason we can do this like funky printing where we do some in china and 
and get anything printed in America is because when they come here, we tear that deck apart and split it into different games and hand assemble it. Like if we were getting boxed games in America, right. I feel like we would get priced out of the industry. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, like if you're, um, cause you're hand assembling stuff. And I, I yeah, I, I assume that cause I know you, you've usually have done that. So when you order a print of, of games, you're literally ordering 5,000 cards or something like that. 5,000 decks, like, or we'll do like a thousand decks and the deck will be, let's say okay. it's a, let's say the deck is 180 cards. Um, there could be 18 or 10, 18 card games in that deck. Often there's expansions as well. So it might be like five right. 18 card games and eight expansions that are six to eight card, whatever, uh, all in this deck. So we get this big deck and then what we do is unwrap them. They're, you know, self, whatever, plastic wrap or whatever, unwrap yeah, them yeah. and then split it out into the games. And it's usually like a whole table of, you know, 15 different piles of, of different games in there. And then we can start working with them to, you know, assemble them into whatever they're they're going into. It's a it's so quite a process. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. Um, can I ask for for on you know for printing in the U.S. Where do you get like your cards printed, for instance? And if you don't want to say that's fine, I'll just make you tell me after we stop recording. Uh, no, but, for um, U.S. I, we do a lot through uh, the U.S. Playing Card Company. The ones that print bicycle oh, okay. cards and things like that because we're only getting cards. So they don't have to be a company that is good at tokens or boxes or dice or anything like that. They print cards, they print them excellently. Um, so yeah, we, we try to get stuff through them in the U S when mm -hmm. we're getting a ton, you know, when we're getting a whole bunch made, we'll, we'll go there. Um, right. Right. But they're so good. Their stuff is, and, uh... is so good. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming if they're printing bicycle cards, they know what the heck they're doing, right? So, <laughs> yeah. So, when it comes to, um, like, oh, yeah, no, I don't know what I was going to say. Oh, I know. I got it. So, when it comes to, like, packaging, you are, you do the wallet packaging. Do you do any other types of packaging? Uh, anything that's smaller than 18 cards is, like, in a clear card sleeve. So we could squeeze up the nine cards in a single like regular one card sleeve mm -hmm. and uh, our little expansions all go in those tiny card sleeves. Uh, that and makes sense. Yeah. I order like 10,000 at a time on Amazon because it's the <laughs> cheapest way to get them. Um, that is the way to order those. I know I, uh, I order those in mass too for sending out prototypes. So I've had to do less of that this year since everything's online. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but no, we don't really do any other packaging. I've gotten like some weird little zip bags and stuff like deluxe things, but those all wind up just costing way more than, than you can afford. Uh, right, right. We are doing this weird line called button shy bootlegs that are packaged in a VHS case. And of course, of they're course they are slightly bigger. They're like 36 cards and some little components, but they're all like, it's all hand done and it's really quirky and different. Mm -hmm. And we even have this weird like release structure for it where it's not going to Kickstarter. It's not going to Patreon. It's just going to be, we're going to put one on our website every day. And if someone wants it, they can buy it. If not, <laughs> you know, it'll be there tomorrow, but every day that one sells, we'll put a new one up and then just sit here and hand make it. It'll probably take a couple minutes to put it together. Just doing something just super different with it to, to, uh, I don't know. Have some wow, fun. That's interesting. Yeah. I think one of the hardest things for me has been researching the boxes. Um, whenever I've like, cause I, a lot of the games I'm going to do here are smaller, right? I wanted to do smaller games um, that I could use for, you know, like teams and stuff to have fun with, but also to learn some stuff and like trying to figure out how to package those has been super, I mean, like pain in the that's butt. That's the entirety of what made button shy exist was, packaging problems for short run like you know <laughs> right. like the wallet line exists because it was like how do you package a micro game and i did all this research right right and it's just you there's cool ways to do it but none are affordable in a small you know a small sense 
And right, right. You know, boxes like there's a company in China, uh, BoardGamesMaker.com. They make boxes. They're super high quality, and they cost like eight bucks. <laughs> like, there's nothing you can, uh, wow. you know. What are you going to do with an eight dollar box? Especially like you know, they say in re- in you know retail or whatever, you're supposed to like sell something for five times what you paid for it. You're not selling the you know the box for forty bucks. If if anybody doesn't believe that boxes are super expensive, go to the Game Crafter, build a game, look at the price, and then add the box and watch the price probably double. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, add a box twice because they only do it by halves for some reason on some of the boxes. But yeah, (laughs) but that's I mean, and that price is is one of the better prices too. Like you you look. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not like. I'm not dissing their pricing. No, but that's. I I used to until I found out boxes are awful. That yeah. It's just you can't. There's no way to do a short run box. So you have to look at Mm -hmm. things that aren't usually a board game box, and then you have to look at ways to like how are you going to get your audience to accept this thing that's completely different than what. You know, everything else has this glossy, full color box that looks amazing on the shelf. And Mm -hmm. as a small publisher, you can't afford that. And you have to do something that either, you know, looks so different that it makes sense. You can't fake it. Like, you can't even get close to it because there's ways to get like cheap, thin paper boxes and things like that. But the quality, they're going to cost you way more than, you know, the big companies are paying for them. And the quality is going to be a lot less. So you really have to just go way out there. And right. that's why we did yep. these wallets. Like it was, we can't do boxes. What's, we can't fake boxes. We can't do cheap boxes. What's the, you know, the next best thing that's going to to substitute boxes. And doing 18 cards gave us a lot of options. Yeah. If, if you're doing a bigger game like that, it gets tough because everything's got to be stable and it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah, and what's the max capacity on a wallet? I know. So we just do eighteen, but uh, there, and and we officially only support eighteen. But our customers, I mean, some tell us they put thirty six sleeved in there, and I'm like, that's I can't even imagine. It's they show pictures. The wallet looks like I have a photo of my daughter when she stepped in the pool and her diaper like blew up soaking wet like it's like <laughs> that's what they look like it's what they look like it's just like it's this bloated thing but uh there are a lot of people that sleeve them and they'll get the, the the those tiny perfect fit sleeves we do like six card expansions on like everything people shove the expansion in i don't put i won't put a 19th card in mine like i uh, it's just uh and sort of for us like we have to have that limit because if we say we could fit a 19th card then we're going to start getting 19 card designs and then you can only fit you know two and a half of them on a sheet yep. and it yep. messes with everything. So yeah, we just stick it with 18. Right. I mean, 18 cards works because it's a good print number. It fits in the wallet perfectly with a little bit of, you know, room to get your fingers in there to pull it out and put it back in. Yeah. It doesn't overstretch the wallet. Yeah, no, it's, I absolutely agree. Yeah. So, well, excellent, man. This is, this has been really interesting uh, to talk about. And I encourage anybody to go check out um, Patreon slash button shy. Uh, to see what y'all are doing out there. Um, I can certainly vouch for the stuff. I've gotten it before. It's super cool. Um, yeah. But now, before you go, I want to make sure that you get a chance to talk about uh, a game you're going to be publishing here uh, at some point. I'm not sure when this is coming out. So, But yeah, I would love to, uh, I'd love to hear about a game you're working on. All right. So I told you how we do these like year-long postcard games. Um, and yeah. And... We, for the past couple of years, we've kind of shit, we've done for the full year, it's postcards and cards and, you know, provide your own tokens or whatever. But we did, uh, we're doing for 2021 and it's starting next month just because things were behind uh, a game called The Final Light Year. It's funny. It was called Lightyear, and then that Buzz Lightyear movie came out like the day after we announced oh. it, or or was was announced <laughs> like, like the okay. day after we announced it. So oh. it's the final Lightyear. Um, but what it is, it's designed by uh, Jason Greeno, who was the co-designer on our game for two years ago with me called uh, Chainmail. Uh, so he's a co- my old co-designer on that, and he's the my co-owner uh, of PMP Arcade with me. But uh, so Final Eight Year is this solo oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
one to two player um, uh, space battle game where every month you're going to get a postcard that is on one side, it's a boss, and on the other side is a map. Um, you have a couple ships, you get these enemy ships, and you get all these cool little uh, crew and different you know, ship gadgets and things like that. But the whole idea of it is you're trekking through a level one, level two, and level three enemy in this in this single game. Uh, it's all dice-based. Um, the core of the game to me, like the, the crux of this game, is how do you upgrade your ship and stock it with this crew so you can survive this like third battle with, mm-hmm. the, with this boss? Like the little battles to me, they're 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 cool, and that's like that's the game. But really, I love it as this like, how am I going to build my engine so I can beat this boss? And the way that the product works is really cool because you get you know a new boss, a new enemy, all, uh, all that stuff every month. So after you have like two months, now you've got this really cool variable system that you can mix and match. When you get three months, it just continuously expands. So by the time oh, you yeah. have 12 months of this, there's thousands and thousands of variables that you can, you know, set it up with. And it's a cool, cool variable system. Uh, we got this really cool artist on it and it, it just looks really cool. And it's going to go for a year and it's part of that $5 level, which is a hundred percent break even for us. There's no money to be made on, you know, putting anything out at five bucks and shipping it and and fees coming out and all that stuff. So it's it's right, super right. it's like there's no budget for it whatsoever and we've gone all out on the budget. So it's a cool game and uh it's coming March <laughs> I think we start shipping March fifteenth. But you could join in. That's the cool thing about it is you can like sign up in September and you're going to get enough to play a game. And then you can play from then on. So it's, that's really it's cool. just a cool variable system. And we've done that for a couple of years through different games. And that's the, the new one, newest one. Did, do you make your postcard games available? Like, would that game be then purchasable, like at a higher price after the fact? It's weird. Or if I like, start in September, can I go back and buy? So <laughs> what happens is we, <laughs> we make enough to go out and then we've got all these extra pieces just sitting here and, like we don't have the outlet to get them out afterwards. And then like we compile it at the end, it goes on print and play art PMP arcade. So you can print and play immediately. So like mm-hmm. there are ways to buy it there. And then we sell some of the old packages to subscribers that, that want the old ones as well. Um, but usually when the end of the year happens, it's like, how are we going to look back at this? And now we have this full product. Like what could we do with it? Um, Chainmail from two years ago is, right, right. is going into our bootleg thing. Personal Space was a game we did last year, which has the whole web element. So that's straight free print and play now. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. The year's over and then we have a cool product. How are we going to get it out there? Or are we going to update it and make like version 2.0 and then get that out there in a big box or something like that? So right, it's right. all kind of new to us doing these year long things. And, and figuring out what to do afterwards. Right. That's super cool. I, I One of the things I, I respect the most about you, other than your ever-changing haircut, is um, certainly, because <laughs> uh, every time I see you, you have a different haircut. Um, but but really, trying to one keep of the biggest the things I respect about you is that you, <laughs> <laughs> you're just never afraid to just try something new and just figure something out and say, we're just going to do this. And... Um, I think it'd be cool if there were more publishers doing that. I um, feel super, super lucky that we're in a position where people are giving us their money every month. They don't know what's coming. They can just base it off what you know happened before, mm-hmm. but it gives me the budget to take chances. I can sign a designer. Yeah. And we have two games coming out right now that are going in our next packages from first time designers. And like most publishers can't take a chance on, on a first time designer, you know, or, or won't even like, they won't even get into their radar. Usually it's hard to kind of get in with them and things like that. But I can just say, we've got nine cards, you know, I like your work, make something for us. You know, like I have that amazing position that, that nice. is nobody has that position. And if that game is like, if it's just going to satisfy a small number of people, a lot of our patrons are just happy to get something cool and new and hang on to it. And they'll eventually be able to play it. 
Um, there's not a lot of complaints when it's like, you know, it's not their favorite player count or it's not their favorite theme. Um, you know, I can take those chances and there's a, a level of trust that enables me to do that, which I'm so fortunate to have. Like it's yeah. like I can direct game design and, and direct, you know, product design and everybody's kind of on for that ride. And I, I don't ever like forget that or take advantage of that or anything like that. That's super cool. That's well said. Well, thanks again for hanging out and chatting about everything you're doing right now. Um, so, hey, listeners, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach out to uh, us at buildingthegamepodcast.com. You could join our Discord channel, which I would highly recommend. You can find that on buildingthegame.com/discord. Uh, um, you can also email us at email us at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. You could call us at seven seven zero tell BTG. You can also uh, find us on the Twitter, of course, at podcastbtg. I am at ja slingerland. Uh, Tagmire, what are you currently using for your Twitters? I think uh, you have a couple, right? J, uh, J Tagmire for myself. It's J T A G M I R E, and then Button Shy for for the company. Okay, that was that is what I thought they both were, but I'm always like sometimes people are like no, it's different now, and then I it sounds it's stupid, it's so. Jason's games. with with i assume all the s's or z's though oh it has jason's games or or just like you know yeah it's easy easy like so games is is it's or like back in the day where you had to have a a publisher name but you were just a designer so my old one was champion land games who knows what that is and and why and (laughs) yeah i do notice that a lot though you're right a lot of designers are like here's my here's my company name and then eventually they gotta switch it off to their real name because they start publishing for other companies (laughs) right right so it actually yeah their name is what matters exactly so all right well hey everybody thanks again for listening and uh until next time Good night. Good night. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial 770 BTG. Please don't use the email.